1: show who God really is and what the standard of holiness that is required in having our relationship restored to our creator because sin separated us Leviticus and and Deuteronomy in particular lays out that standard the sacrifices show how mankind needs to have sin atoned for that was the picture that was shown through all of the sacrifices in order to keep God's judgment from being instantaneous and justly applied to all sin, whether that be in thought or in deed. Sin
0: separates us from a holy God. Before Jesus paid the penalty for humankind's sin, the Old Testament believers had sacrifices as a way to atone for their sin. God has always loved and wanted a relationship with His people, so the offerings were a way for sin to be forgiven. In his message, Pastor David shows how the animal sacrifices were never enough. They were pointing to Jesus, the perfect sacrifice that was to come. Your sin is wholly forgiven in Jesus, and the old laws are no more. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Leviticus chapter 23 as he continues his message, The Books of Wandering.
1: Now, it's also in Leviticus, by now, we're actually all the way into chapter 23 at this point, where we find God instituting the seven feast days, and each one of them showing complete fulfillment, actually through the life, the death, and the promised return of Jesus. Uh, we, We find in chapter 23, yeah, might as well go ahead and turn over there. In chapter 23, down in verses four through five, we have the Feast of Passover. Now, again, it was, that was foundational to the life of Israel. Remember, the Feast of Passover, that was instituted the night that they broke free from the Egyptian bondage. You can keep your place in Leviticus chapter 23, but really where I want you to turn to is 1 Corinthians chapter 5. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, what do we read there? Well, we read simply that, therefore, purge out the old leaven. Again, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, but he's writing to us too. Purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, what? Our Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice or wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So we see that whole thing of the sacrifice and of Passover very foundational in our faith. You're still in the New Testament. Keep going over to your left son, to first Peter chapter one, verses 18 through 21. We read this, knowing that you and I, we we weren't redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from our aimless conduct received by the tradition of our fathers. But we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of what? A lamb without blemish and without spot, that Passover lamb. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest or made clear, made known to us in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So you see, the the Passover is so very, very important in the foundation of our faith now as, as it was in the Old Testament. The second feast that we see there in chapter twenty-three of Leviticus is down in verses six through eight, and that's the feast of the unleavened bread. And we've talked about leaven uh, many, many times. Yeast uh, is what it is, and the feast of unleavened bread means that there was no yeast in the bread, the, the matzah bread or the flat bread, without any yeast, no rising, because the yeast was again a symbol of sin throughout both the Old and the New Testament. Now, that's not saying that yeast is bad, What we're saying is, is that yeast was shown as a picture of sin. And so that yeast or that feast of unleavened bread, not only the getting rid of the leaven within the homes, but it was also a reminder that, man, they didn't have time for the bread to rise on that night of Passover. They made some quick cakes and boom, went out the door. They didn't have time for it to rise. So the feast of unleavened bread brings them back to that. But it speaks of For us, it speaks of having a holy life without leaven, without sin within us, that our work should be dedicated wholly to the Lord. Again, in that same passage there in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, just before that, uh, Paul says uh, that uh, purge out that old leaven, purge it out since you truly are unleavened. What do you mean I'm unleavened? I I, I still sin, Paul, but I'm truly unleavened. Why? Because Christ has purged me. We're cleansed through the blood of Christ. Through the blood of Christ is how God sees us. We are unleavened. And on and on, we could go and look at the, the references within the New Testament toward this whole idea of the unleavened. The third feast that we find there in Leviticus chapter 23 is found in verses nine through 14. The feast of the first fruits and the first fruit speaks of the resurrection. That Christ was the first fruit up from the dead. He's the first one to raise from the dead and for you and I, we can look forward to that. Christ fulfilled the Passover. Christ fulfilled the feast of unleavened bread. Christ fulfilled the feast of first fruits. We come now to the Feast of Pentecost, the fourth one in the list. And Pentecost is found there in Leviticus 23 in verses 15 through 22. What does Pentecost speak about? The coming of the Holy Spirit, yes. But even as powerful as that, it is also the birth of the church. The birth of the church that, again, we we see at that Feast of Pentecost is where not only the Holy Spirit fell, but he drew together both Jew and Gentile to become the bride of Christ we read about that in the old testament but we or we read of the pentecost the festival of pentecost 50 days after again passover but in the new testament it speaks of us speaks to us of the coming of the holy spirit and the birth of the church in Leviticus 23, down in verse 23, 24 and 25, the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets, that was the new year for, for the Jew. It was a, a new beginning. We're talking about a new beginning. Well, the Feast of Trumpets was that. And where do we see that Feast of Trumpets for us in the New Testament? I believe it's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. When we speak again that the, the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God shall sound. Look there with me if you would in First Thessalonians chapter four, the great promise of God's return, of Christ's return and of redemption in him. In First Thessalonians chapter four, beginning down in verse 15. Actually back up to 13. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. But if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, again, that first fruits that we've spoken about, he rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Christ. But this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. That's a new beginning of that that brings us right into eternity at that point in time. The next feast there is the Day of Atonement, the most solemn of all days for Israel. That's in Leviticus 23, down in verse 26 through 32. And that speaks of repentance. It's a time of repentance. And beloved, we see that continually, Old Testament and new, that you and I need to live lives humble enough to be repentant in our heart of the lives that we live, the choices that we make, the attitudes that we cop. Whenever we stumble, either purposefully or accidentally, we need to be willing to go and say, Lord, I repent, I turn back, I receive your forgiveness. The forgiveness has already been given. But we cannot walk in sin and expect to have the sweet fellowship of the Lord unless there is this attitude and this heart of repentance in our lives. Then the last one real quick, the Feast of Tabernacles. And again, um, that's in Leviticus 23, verses 33 through 44. And again, that's the feast of in-gathering. It it also speaks of conversion. It speaks of redemption. It speaks also, I believe, of that time when the Lord takes us to himself. So if uh, Leviticus, uh, some have said it's the how-to book because all through there, we see how to, again, perform these ceremonies, how to uh, do all of these sacrifices, how to anoint the priest, how to anoint the tabernacle and all the instruments of the tabernacle. Leviticus, your basic how-to book or how to have a relationship with God for dummies, Old Testament style, okay? A how-to book is, is what we all need that how to have a relationship with God for dummies because every one of us fall into that category and every one of us need that way of saying, how, how can I walk? How can I be faithful to the Lord in a consistent way? Well, in the Old Testament, we looked and there was a very step-by-step kind of a process of way and that's what we see. Uh, Leviticus was also called the priest's manual because it was that kind of step-by-step process for all of the sacrifices. you know you're gonna get it right. But beloved, we don't walk now in, in the ritual and in the ceremony of the Old Testament. Today, we walk by faith. We walk by faith in obedience to what we know to be the truth as the Holy Spirit leads and touches and directs our hearts. Here is what, where God tells Israel, the hows, the whens, the where's, and with what they should worship him with. How do we live in the presence of a holy God? For the Jew, it meant a series of rules, regulations, and laws. And each of those, a part of the grand scheme of things, teaching man about these holy requirements of God and man's absolute dismal failure in his abilities to be able to fulfill those requirements. Through the message of Leviticus, we actually see two primary outlines. Number one, chapters 1 through 16, the way to God through his whole series of sacrifices, the priestly network, the purifications, the final atonement for the entire nation on that day of atonement. Secondly, we see how to continually have fellowship with God that would be in chapters 17 through 27. We see again that we need to be separate ourselves from sin. We, they needed to observe the feast because it was a reminder. It was a, it was a symbolic reminder of them, not only what God had done in the past, but also what he's going to do in the future. There needed to be a, a continual call to worship and a call to reverence. And one of the things, unfortunately, in our very grace-saturated church of today. And, and I love grace. Please don't, don't misunderstand me. I love grace. But the problem is, is I think too often we don't speak about reverence and holiness. We dismiss those and grab a hold of grace. Oh, I know why we grab hold of grace, because I can grab grace a whole lot easier than I can walk in holiness and reverence. Because it takes discipline to walk in holiness and reverence. And it's really easy to excuse my inabilities and say, oh, but grace. Oh, but grace. But beloved, I don't think God buys that as easily as we do. I believe that God still calls for us to walk in reverence and holiness. That doesn't mean we don't enjoy our times together. It doesn't mean that we don't enjoy our life. But there needs to be that understanding of the ever-present reality of Almighty God. In the Old Testament, they had the tabernacle. They had the the, the glory of the Lord there through the pillar of fire at night over the tabernacle or the the clouds. There was an absolute understanding of the presence of God among them. Beloved, that's what the Holy Spirit needs to be for you and I today. It's the Holy Spirit that comes and whispers in our ears, wrong attitude, wrong steps you're making there. And you know what happens when we close our ears? That voice becomes more and more distant. Not that he's left us, but it's just that we piled so much garbage in between. One of the reasons why the tabernacle was placed within the middle of the camp of Israel is so that everybody could see the presence of God. But if I took my little tent and I camped it around the hill on the other side because maybe it's greener pastures or there's you know, a nice view there, something that I thought was really good for me, suddenly I don't have the presence of God anymore. God didn't move, did he? I did. And suddenly I don't have that ever- present reminder of his presence in me. That's why for you and I, I think we need to work in that area. It's still in in Leviticus there, the recognition of God's laws and promises, even to the point of keeping vows and paying tithes, all of that is in Leviticus. That atoning sacrifice, always called for blood, the atoning sacrifice. Now, there were other offerings, the the grain offerings and things like that, but those were, again, offerings of, of thanksgivings or blessings, but the atoning sacrifice always called for blood. It was the exchange of the blood of the sacrifice that was giving life to the one who was guilty, and that's why Leviticus 17, 11 reminds us, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Now, that was Old Testament, but you know what? New Testament, same thing. It is the blood that makes atonement for our souls. The blood of Jesus Christ. Same thing. God showed the the, the model of it in the Old Testament. Christ fulfilled it in the new. We live it now. The law was briefly touched on in Exodus. It becomes more fully laid out for us, both in Leviticus and, and Deuteronomy. Uh, It's reiterated over and over for the first generation that came out of Egypt as well as the second generation. Moses repeats it just before he passes away and speaks to them again. The law was given to show who God really is and what the standard of holiness that is required in having our relationship restored to our creator because sin separated us. Leviticus and Deuteronomy in particular lays out that standard. The sacrifices show how mankind needs to have sin atoned for. That was the picture that was shown through all of the sacrifices. In order to keep God's judgment from being instantaneous and justly applied to all sin, whether that be in thought or in deed. But the sacrificial system was an example of how his mercy, the sacrificial system was an example of his long-suffering. And it held back that instantaneous judgment. The animal sacrifices, the problem with those was is they needed to be reapplied over and over and over. They kept showing the Israelites how those kinds of sacrifices they would not and they could not completely cover sin once for all. The Jew understood that. That's why, man, continually going to the temple, continually going to the tabernacle, continually making these sacrifices. Now, with that understanding, that all of these sacrifices aren't going to cover my sin completely, then you're led to one of three conclusions. If I'm a Jew and I'm, I'm, I'm making the sacrifice and, and I know, man, next week I got to come and do it again. Uh, next month I'm going to come and do it again. Next year that Day of Atonement for the whole nation is going to happen again. And I know it's not complete. Then I'm left to one of three conclusions. Number one, relationship with God wasn't worth the trouble of trying to attain. An impossible standard of holiness. Man, the law's up here. I'll never reach to it. So I might as well eat, drink, and be merry, for I'm just going to die anyway, and I'll never measure up. The unfortunate reality is there's a lot of people that, because they've heard, whether it be from churches or well meaning Christians trying to explain the gospel, they give up, man. I know you're a righteous dude, but I will—I could never live up. I've seen you. Man, there's no way. And so they just give up. Or the second possibility is a person would strive to live in accordance with the law. Or at least his interpretation of it. And if he got to the point where he felt justified, then guess what? He then moves on to judge everybody else who doesn't measure up. And that's just the reality of human nature. And in this case, the individual would lose the original meaning and the love that moved God to put the whole system in place to restore relationships. They, they've forgotten that totally. They're just trying to live up to the standard and thinking that they made it. And that would often result in an individual, making oneself, we then become the standard. You see, I've reached a standard that I think is pretty holy. So that now is my standard. And guess what? You don't meet my standard. My eyes get off the standard of God because I've had to massage that down. I've had to change that because I could never meet it. So I bring it down to match me. And then I expect you to live up to my standard. The unfortunate reality is we see that in the church still today. A lot of cases. That's one of the reasons why a lot of times the church isn't compassionate. Not compassionate to new believers. Not compassionate to struggling believers. Not compassionate to a lost and dying world. Because you see, we've set ourselves up as a standard. Rather than realizing, no, man, I'm just a slimy, gross sinner. Saved but by the grace of God. And that same grace, that same blood of Christ covers their sin also. And I've got to remember that and not try to have them live up to my standard because I know I'm not living up to the right standard. The third option that we have for the Jew was to understand the limitations of that sacrificial system, that they were simply a, a forerunner of the one, that perfect sacrifice that was yet going to come. That individual, the individual or the nation at that point then would be able to look for God to provide for himself that perfect sacrifice in the fulfillment of both his law and his promise. That God was gonna take care of both. He's gonna fulfill the law, he's gonna fulfill the promise in one that is yet to come. And so then we wait in expectation. We wait in the anticipation that Messiah will soon be here. That's why when Christ was born, there were some in Israel, even at that time, man, they were looking for the fulfillment. They were anticipating the fulfillment and the coming of Messiah because that was the life that they had. They lived in expectation, looking for the one that would come.
0: That's all we have time to share today, but we're so glad you've joined us. Isn't the Bible a fascinating book to read? There's incredible historical events, crazy scenarios, and a variety of people to keep you intrigued along the way. We hope you'll continue to join us here on The Open Word as Pastor David takes you through the Bible. If what you heard today sparked your interest and you'd like to know more about faith and even who God really is, please contact us. We'd love to talk more with you and share some even more incredible news about your future. And the one who can change it, Jesus. Give us a call at 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If social media is a part of your life, you can connect with us there, too. Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with what's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande. You'll find a link to our website, theopenword.com. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Here's Pastor David to tell you how.
1: Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. You know, any time you spend in God's Word is valuable, and I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. I know busy schedules can make that hard, but being able to listen to it could just change all that. All of the messages I've shared from the Bible here on The Open Word, they're available to you to listen to online at theopenword.com. Feel free to download them and even share them with anyone you think would benefit. That website again is theopenword.com
0: Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word. Make us more and more